Welcome to Intentionally Grounded, sponsored by GoRoute, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-player communication. Episode 21's guest is the offensive coordinator of Estacado High School in Lubbock, Texas, James Vint. Coach Vint will take you through his coaching career and share with you his experience with the pistol offense and the advantages it gives in offense. Coach will also give predictions regarding the future trends in offensive play. Finally, Coach explains the changes he has experienced at Estacado over the past year and what the future has in store for him in the Estacado football program. An author of numerous ebooks and coaching videos, Coach Vint brings a wealth of knowledge to our program, and it is on full display in our latest episode. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes, and please leave a review on one of our podcasting networks, such as iTunes or Stitcher, and help share and grow our program with others. Enjoy our latest guest, Coach James Vint. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in coaching. Well, I started off, uh, grew up in Iowa, and uh, my dad was the coach. And um, after college, I ended up out in uh, New York City, where I took a uh, coaching job at Columbus High School in the Bronx. And uh, we took a program that had lost 27 games in a row and had never been to the playoffs, never had a winning season. School opened in 1939. And uh, we ended up uh, having a lot of success, took them to their first ever playoff berth our second year. And uh, from there, I ended up, um, stayed there seven years and then went to Iowa Wesleyan University and from there to Truman State and then uh, met my now wife and uh, moved down to Lubbock, Texas. You, you've specialized in the pistol and spread offense for most of your career. Talk about the pistol and how it's evolved the last 10 years and how you kind of got involved with it and, and what your thoughts are about how well it works. Well, you know, for us, what happened, I, I was coaching in New York City. I had a, uh, an offensive line coach, Dennis Class, who uh, has risen up through the coaching ranks uh, and became a head coach a couple of years ago in New York and a great guy with a tremendous young coach, and he had played for us. And uh, we were – starting to run zone read before a lot of people were doing it. And you never knew week to week what people were going to do uh, to try to take away what you wanted to do. And people started to game whatever side we put our back, they would try to do things to mess with our quarterback's reads. And uh, Dennis said, why don't we put the running back behind the quarterback? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That'll never work. We can't make <laughs> Well, we can't get our our, uh, our footwork down for our mesh with the running back, and it's going to mess the timing up, and it's going to be off with the, you know, our we were big zone concept team, and you want the shoulders, your back shoulders parallel to the backs of your offensive linemen, and so it'll never work, and a couple weeks later, we did it, and we played a team, obviously, who wasn't prepared for it. Um, not many people were doing it at that time, and they... Uh, didn't know which side we were going to be meshing. So they would, they had made a lot of defensive calls based on where our back was. And because the back was right behind the quarterback, they didn't know which side to call their stunts to. Next thing you know, uh, you know, we ended up rushing for over 400 yards against a very, very good football team. And um, that was kind of how we ended up uh, incorporating the pistol. We just weren't smart enough to do it full time. Coach, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of playing in the predominantly pistol offense? You know, one of the biggest advantages is uh, that your back 
is downhill. Uh, I think you can be physical with it. And it's not that you can't be physical with your back offset, but I think having your back um, directly behind the quarterback working through the midpoints uh, helps you to be able to be a little bit more physical. Uh, second thing is, you know, like I said, people can't game uh, our mesh uh, with which side we're going to be reading. They don't know um, if we're if the back's going to be stepping to the right or left, where if our back's offset, they pretty much know, well, this is the side the quarterback's going to have to read. Um, it helps us in the pass game when we want to run sprint out. If our back's set to the right, we'll pretty much have to sprint out to the right. But if our back's behind the quarterback, we can sprint either way. Um, so that's kind of a, an advantage we can have. And we'll use that a lot when we want to sprint out to the single receiver side. If people are rotating their coverage, a lot of people roll and play cover three, uh, especially to the field. And uh, what we'll do is set our single to the boundary and uh, maybe run a comeback uh, for a first down. That's a big third and six, third and seven deal. So I think there are some advantages. Disadvantages, uh, it's harder to run like wide zone. Um, if you want to read a guy, now you can open and get the ball like you would if you were under center. Uh, but if you want to read a guy, read a backside defender, it's harder to do that out of the pistol. It requires a lot more practice time than when the back's offset. And also for pass protection, it can cause a few minor difficulties as far as uh, your back is going to be a little bit slower getting to the line of scrimmage. Uh, and he's got to make sure that he clears the path for the quarterback on his drop. Coach, with today's movement going towards a lot of spread and, and at the high school level and obviously the FCS and FBS level, um, if you had a crystal ball, and you kind of talked about being ahead of the inside, inside zone curve there 10 or 15 years ago, what do you think the next trend will be at the high school level in terms of offensive styles? You know, I think at some point um, there's two ways this could go. One is we're going to see people going back to using tight ends again. Uh, the game is very cyclical. Um, and you started to see, you know, it went from uh, single wing to, to wing T type stuff to option. Um, now we're getting into spread. And I think you're going to see some people going back to using tight ends because, again, we're looking when we ran, when we started running the spread, we were one of only a couple of teams in our area doing it. Uh, now that most people are doing it, what we're finding is it's harder to defend wing T and, and, and the stuff that you used to see six times a season, now you see once a season. So I think you might see some people going back that direction. Uh, and then the other way it could go is there's some changes, you know, rules-wise in the game as far as with physical contact and things like that. So you may see people uh, starting to try to use even more of the field. And, and uh, I know one of the big things is people want to make the game fun so that kids want to play. So, you know, that's, that's where a lot more people are throwing the football. Um, but I think you'll see more with RPOs. Um, people are trying to find new ways to manipulate defenders and make them wrong. So I think you'll see some of that regardless of, of uh, whether the game be, goes back to more tight end type stuff or, or spreads itself out even more. You recently wrote a lengthy blog post on the power play and the things that it offers to an offense. In an ideal world, what does the perfect offensive system look like to you? Well, you know, I think it scores a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, you got to be physical. Uh, we have a saying, you got to run the ball if you want to win it all. You know, I don't, and, and I've been in programs, I've been places where, all, what we do is we try to adapt everything we do to our personnel. Um, I've never had a quarterback that, that could sit and throw it 50 or 60 times a game, so we've never done it. 
but I have friends that do and have had success with that. And the ones that have been most successful talk about having to run the ball. So I think you've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to have a physical uh, presence on the football field. There's no way, no matter what system you run, that you can play soft football and expect to win. Second thing, you've got to have some identity concept, um, whatever that might be. You know, power is a great concept to have as your identity play. It's what you're going to run the majority of the time. If you took all your, your run plays, it's probably your your 60% of your run plays are going to revert back to whatever your identity concept is. I'm a fan of power. I think power is a great identity concept. You can run it from one or two back sets. It gives you a downhill attitude play, and it's something that can work well against multiple fronts uh, and and doesn't really matter what the defense does. You can always find a way to run power and then some concepts off of it. Um, I think you need an out, some way to attack the defense on the edge, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, Jet sweep, buck sweep. Uh, a lot of people are starting to run buck, and you're starting to see, you know, spread teams running buck sweep where they're pulling both guards. Uh, some people are pulling both guards plus an H back. Um, so I think you need to have some sort of threat on the edge, and then uh, you need to be able to find a way to force the defense to defend all 53 and a third yards and all your skill guys. And that's where for us, our pre and post snap RPO concepts have become so important because people can't load the box to stop the run and still be able to cover uh, our skill guys on the perimeter. And uh, it's, it's, we've basically taken what we used to do back when I was in college where we had paired plays and uh, taken that to a new level where you don't check off the quarterback. Just he's either you have a run and a pass together and he's either going to throw the pass uh, or execute the run, but the offensive line is going to block the run. Coach, you're a born and raised Iowan. Um, we're Midwest guys, um, and you coached in at the college level in Iowa, and then you went, uh, like you said, to New York, and now you're down in Texas. Uh, talk about the different styles of football, you know, whether it's the East Coast or down in the South or in the Midwest, um, at all the different places you've been. We know uh, in New York City we had a lot of great athletes, uh, but you had um, you had a lot of football programs and athletic programs that weren't really run to be successful with consistent championship level performance. You had a lot of, a lot of programs that were more activities that took place after school. There wasn't a lot of funding, but then you had programs like ours where we took it. We, we ran our program. Like if we were running a Texas high school football program, uh, but you weren't going to get a lot of people at games, but we were going to have some really good football being played. Um, I was talking to some other coaches about this a couple of weeks ago, and I told them one of the biggest differences down in Texas is that everybody, for the most part, is very, very well-funded athletically, and participation rates are very high. Our Friday nights, the thing that makes Texas so special is the pageantry. And, you know, where I grew up in Iowa, everything closed down Friday night for a football game, uh, and we had a lot of people involved. But I think Texas just took it to, a, to another level in the fact that we have our band, a palm squad, a drill team, uh, cheerleaders. There's always going to be some sort of, of halftime performance. And our school has 700, I think we're at about 720 on enrollment, and about 300 students will be involved in Friday night between the players, the band, the cheerleaders, uh, the palm squad, the pep club. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable uh, to see the atmosphere. And I think, so that's one difference in Texas. You know, in New York, uh, we knew that we were going to have, you know, two or three games that were really tough. We knew that we were going to have a couple of games that 
weren't going to be tough, but we better play our best. And then we knew we were going to have about four games a year where our starters probably aren't going to play more than a half. And, uh, and down here, you're just not going to have that. You know, you're going to have week in and week out. You're going to have a battle. Um, and one of the, but, but, I, but the Midwest, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, Nebraska, has, has some really good football, and it's really important uh, to the communities. And I think that's something very similar between the Midwest and the South is that everywhere you go, it's uh, football, football at the high school level is important to the people that are involved. Uh, at Estacado, there recently was a change in the head coaching position as well as the staff, some staff realignment. Talk about what it's been like and then also kind of touch on what Lubbock, Texas has in store for next season with, you know, all the changes that have gone on at Estacado. Well, you know, we, we had a, a great situation here. Marcus Shavers had come in and, and uh, he had taken over for Danny Servants. Danny Servants had done a phenomenal job at Estacado, had a chance to go back to his hometown in Odessa. In the last couple of years, um, Estacado had been down a little bit. Um, talent, talent wasn't quite as good, and, and they just hadn't had as much success as, as they were used to. And sometimes uh, a change in scenery, you get a new head coach in, it can revitalize. And Coach Shavers did a great job of that. And then uh, he had a chance to, to get back closer to his family in McKinney, Texas. And uh, so for, for Coach Shavers, uh, he had a chance to, to do that, and I think it was a good opportunity. And then our district and school board and community rallied behind Coach Cluley. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a situation where there was really any doubt. Um, they went through a hiring process uh, to follow all the legalities of it. Um, and, of course, our district said, hey, we're going to make sure we get the right person. And, uh, and, and so they interviewed Coach Cluley and, and uh, sat down with a few other coaches. But uh, for, for, for Joe Cluley, one of the best people I've ever been around and a tremendous head coach, and a good friend. And, and, uh, when this all started to take place, you know, we sat down and talked and, and, uh, our, our offense coordinator that, that had been at Estacado was going with uh, coach Shavers. They were high school friends and, and have, have worked together a while. So he was going with him and, and, uh, it turned out to be a really good opportunity. Uh, Joe and I sat down and talked about some things and, and, um, it, it's a good fit. And then we were able to, we, we shuffled a few guys on staff around just to, to build some continuity and with me moving into the offensive coordinator role, uh, I wanted to coach our quarterbacks and um, that allowed us to take Derek Shelton, who was our defensive line coach, but is, is had been coaching offensive line and it allowed us to bring Derek over to coach our offensive line. And uh, we have a young guy uh, uh, with us, uh, Matthew McHugh, who played quarterback at, uh, at uh, McMurray for Hal mummy. And we were able to uh, move him to receivers uh, which really solidified that spot. And then we, we actually brought in a guy who I'd worked with at Coronado High School and at uh, Seminole, Steve Kenner, phenomenal coach, and we were able to bring him in. And so we brought a few guys in that fit the mix. And then on the defensive side, we brought in Cody Robinson, who uh, was part of a state championship team at Gilmer. Uh, phenomenal coach. Um, he's going to be our defensive coordinator now. And just a, he makes me better every day. He and Coach Cluley both do, you know. When you're around people that, that make you better, make you raise your level of performance, it, it, it's, it's fun. You know, we're always trying to, to be better than we were the day before. That's what we talk about is being elite, the best version of ourselves, be better today than we were yesterday, better tomorrow than we were today. And being around the guys that we have, we've, we've really got a great staff. Coach Cluley's putting the finishing touches on it now. We're still looking for, for a cornerback coach. And uh, 
So once we find that, we'll be done. We brought a guy named Rashad Sanders in who played and coached at West Texas A&M, and uh, he is a straight ball coach and jack. Uh, he's coached three guys that are in the NFL. Our D-line is so fired up to have him on our staff. And so it's it's a lot of fun. And to, to kind of get back to when we talked about differences, I think here, here's probably the biggest difference. And there's great coaches, great football being played everywhere. I get to go all over the country to clinics, and there are so many guys that are great coaches, so many kids that are great players, so many great programs, no matter where you go. Um, but, but one big difference in Texas is every single one of our coaches is a teacher in our building. So we have 13 coaches in our building and uh, that, that, all, uh, that all are full-time teachers. And uh, we all coach a second sport, uh, but, but every single one of us is in the building. And like when I was in New York City, we had to hire six or seven guys that were outside the building. Only three of us were teachers in our building. So I think that's, that's kind of a big deal, too. And, and that's big for building relationships with players because the relationships aren't necessarily built during practice. They're built during school, before practice, things like that, where it's important that you're in your building where you're, where you're coaching. Coach, you kind of hit on this a little bit, too. You, you were just named the offensive coordinator, and you coached your line a year ago. Um, if I was a parent uh, in Lubbock, Texas, what would I and my family expect from the new staff and yourself and Coach Cluey? Uh, what should we expect Estacado football to look like next year? You're just, it's a ton of enthusiasm. Uh, we do a drill each day that Cody Robinson brought in that is awesome. We call it four-quarter drill. And the purpose, it's a weight room drill, but the purpose of it is nothing more than enthusiasm. We, we talk about uh, you have to be the best encourager in your group. You have to be the guy that, that gets the excitement. Create your own energy. You know, you can't expect others to create it for you. You get to create it. You control it. So that's something that, uh, that you'll see as passionate, enthusiastic football um, from the off the field. Because football is the honest to God, it's the least of what we do. You know, it's what's out in the open. It's what everybody sees is Friday night. But the majority of what we do is, is, is teaching character by helping our players to make great decisions, to be in there for them, to, to loving them harder than anybody else. And, we, and that's what we tell the parents is, you know, we're going to love your son unconditionally. We love him as much on his worst day as we do on his best day. We're not going to, you know, a kid will get in trouble and people will think, well, kick him off the team. Well, how's that? That's not love. Now, there are times when you may have to uh, not have that person be a part of your football practices, but they're still going to be a part of our life and we're going to be a part of theirs. So we're going to use every moment we have to help lift them up hold them accountable to be in their best at very, very high standards and give them the support they need. But we're going to love them as much as anybody they've ever had in their life, each and every one of our players. You know, one of the things that I, I tell coaches, I say to young guys, and I'm always striving to be better, so I'm, I'm not being on my soapbox. I say this to myself, too, is how you treat the player on your team that's probably never going to help you win a game on the field. Do you treat him as well as your star player? Do you love him as much? If the answer is no, then you need to either make a change or go have another career. You've got to because if you if you'll yell at a kid that will never play, but you won't yell at your best player, you're just a bully. So I think it's you know that what they're going to see is passionate, enthusiastic coaching. You're going to see that reflected in how we play on the field. You're going to see a sense of physicality, but you're going to see family, and that's what we break out to every day. Families, families are going to have squabbles. Families are going to have issues come up. Families sometimes are going to have disagreement. But at the end of the day, what brings a family together isn't blood, it's love. 
unconditional love. So I think, you know, that's the, the most important thing. And, and that love doesn't end when they graduate or when their playing career ends. That love goes on forever. You know, we're going to be here for, for the birth of their children. We're going to be here when they get married. We're going to be here when their kids graduate high school. When they have 10 years down the road, they might have a situation come up. We're going to be here for them. So I think that's, and that's the most important thing in coaching. It, it's, it's how you build the man uh, off the field. But football is kind of the catalyst to allow you to do those things. Coach, heading into next year, um, what style of offense are you envisioning running at, at Estacado? And, and maybe how would you characterize the style of play that you're going to be running? Well, you know, we're, we're not going to make a lot of changes. Uh, we've, we've run a system that we've had enormous success with. Uh, it's, you know, one of the things that attracted me, because I left an offense coordinator job to, to come here to be, a, to be the offensive line coach. And when I was the offense coordinator in Seminole, we had a really good group of kids coming up. Uh, we, we, you know, we're going to be a, a 12, 13-win team, and that's what they've done the last couple of years. Uh, but I was commuting there, and it was, a, it was a long drive. It was hard on the family. Uh, and when Coach Shavers got hired here, and I came over and met with him and met with, uh, with Robert Boone, who was the offense coordinator. Coach Boone and I hit it off right away. Uh, he did a lot of things that, that were very similar to things that, that I had done, and it was a great fit. And, you know, I didn't expect Coach Boone or Coach Shavers to, to, to leave or go find another you know, job in, in, anywhere else. I expected this was going to be a long-term thing. Uh, but when Coach Cooley and I started talking about it, it was – he said, what do you want to run? And I said, man, we're going to run the same thing. Now, we're going to change it. We're going to make a few minor adjustments, but we're going to keep our terminology the same. We're going to keep much of what we do the same. We may change how we do a few things, uh, but we are a, a power. I really would say we are a power pistol football team. We're, we're, we're spread. You know, we're typically 10 and 11 personnel, but we are running the football with physicality. In fact, we were third in the state last year. Third in the state of Texas averaging 8.2 yards of carry. Uh, we had, you know, two rushers over 1,500 yards. So we, uh, we feel like we have to run the football. Like I said earlier, you got to run the ball if you want to win it all. Uh, but we're going to be balanced in our approach. Uh, we are going to be able to effectively throw the football and be able to make game-changing plays with our pass game. Coach, we're going to get away from X's and O's just a little bit. And we're going to talk about um, the fact you've written quite a few e-books and you have some stuff out there, some resources for coaches. And we've talked to other coaches um, on our show about writing a book and they kind of describe it as like an excruciatingly wonderful process. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, talk to us about what's motivated you to write uh, some eBooks and kind of giving out some of the resources that you have out there for coaches to use. Well, you know, it, it started off um, back about 15 years ago, coaches choice approached me um, about doing some videos and, uh, what happened was uh, one of their one of their uh, um, front office people was down at a clinic that I was speaking at in California, um, and you know it all kind of just happened with the with the cl you know clinic speaking. We had a bunch of success. I wanted to go to more clinics, my, and our school didn't pay for it. So Glazier was looking for volunteers at that time as a mega clinic. I call them, and they said, "Yeah, we always need volunteers." And I get set up when you when you volunteer at a clinic, you get to go for free, you get a free hotel room even get a couple of meals taken care of. Um, but, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily get to see all the speakers you want, but you're going to see a speaker every session. You're going to introduce them. You get to meet them. So it was a lot of fun. And, 
we'd always be talking football. Uh, we, we always had a, uh, would get together all the volunteers that were all coaches and we talked football and, uh, Chris Coughlin who owned the mega clinics one day comes up and, uh, I always had tapes with me and I mean, we, cause we kind of round table. I always had video tapes back in VHS days and I'd have my VHS tapes. And one day a speaker didn't show up and he said, Hey, can you do three hours on this? You got your stuff. And I said, yeah. And I went in and did a presentation and, you know, and it went well. And next thing you know, I, they asked me to do a few more of them. So I started traveling and speaking a little bit. And at one of those clinics, the, the, the people from uh, Coach's Choice asked me to do a couple videos. So we recorded some videos and they, they were real good. Dr. Jim Peterson runs that company, does a phenomenal job. So we did a couple videos and uh, Dr. Peterson called me to do a couple more. And um, he kept saying, hey, what you need to do is write a book. And I was like, man, I can't do that. And he's like, what are you talking about? You were a writing major in college. You majored in writing and linguistics. I said, that doesn't mean I can write. <laughs> that just means I could answer questions about writing. But next thing you know, he, he sent me the format. And when you said excruciating, you're right. I didn't really know the joy part. It took me four <laughs> years to write the first book. Uh, and then I had to get the formatting right. Took, and then it took about eight months for them to edit it because they're sending it back to me. Did you mean this? Did you mean that? What do you really mean here? This diagram doesn't look like it matches up. You know, so I, we went through that process. And um, after about, about five total years, we had the first book out. Wrote the second one in two weeks. So I did two books with Coach's Choice, 101 Pistol Run Plays and 101 Pistol Option Plays. And then the next part of that, the next aspect uh, of that was um, a friend of mine, Keith Grabowski, who does a podcast for USA Football and actually works for them now. Uh, Keith had written an iBook for iTunes, and he put a video in it, and I thought that was the coolest thing. So I said, I'm going to do that. So I wrote an RPO book, and I wrote a Temple book tempo book a few years ago uh where i could put video clips in on ibooks so those the, and you know coaches love those i've had coaches all the way i've actually had two nfl coaches buy them and reach out to me and tell me that they they thought that the you know they were really well written and uh one guy who is an nfl coach now but coached college football for a long time said the rpo book he thought was was great for him because they were starting to see more of it in the nfl even though he's a defensive guy um, then people said, Hey, you know, Amazon has the Kindle. And, uh, a lot of guys said, I don't have an Apple product. I don't have an iPhone or a Mac to, to get these iBooks that you did for Apple. And I was like, well, let me see what I can do. And I ended up converting them and they didn't convert very well. The formatting on the Kindle isn't very good. It doesn't match up as well. Um, so I put them out on the Kindle Kindle also. And then, uh, Amazon reached out to me and said, do you want to make them a paperback? So I made the RPO one actually uh, put together as a paperback. So that's kind of how that happened. And, you know, I haven't had time to really, I've worked, I've got four other books that I'm, that I've worked on. I try to write for, I try to do 30 minutes a week if I can get the time and some days a little longer. So I may put out, I've got a couple more. I'm working on a book on using an H back. I'm working on a past game book. And then I'm also working on a book for youth coaches that would kind of be a, be a catch-all, you know, offensive system book that that would include everything they'd need to kind of run an offense, and and um, and then some guys got on, got to me a couple of years ago and uh, were asking about game planning, and so I started putting out some some game planning packets, and and it was actually a college coach, a Division One offensive coordinator who got a hold of them, and he's like, you don't need to be giving these away, you need to sell them, 
And I was like, nah, you know, I, I just, I'm not worried about that. He's like, nah, I don't charge too much. But he said, these are so good. You need to get paid a little money. And he sent me a check. He just sent me a check out of his pocket and said, here you go. So it wasn't very much, but I said, I, and I didn't cash it. I sent it back to him. So thank you. I'm honored. But, uh, but I put those out and said, Hey, I'm not going to charge more than $15. And, uh, I put out all our game planning forms and our special team stuff. And, you know, that's the big thing with that was my, my daughter had some surgeries, uh, a couple of years ago for her eyes and it, those aren't cheap. So my wife was like, man, we got to figure out how to pay for this without borrowing the money. So I was able to monetize a few things to help us kind of pay those bills. And, and, um, you know, I don't try to push all those things, but, but it is kind of nice to be able to share some things and, and be able to provide things to coaches, uh, that can actually help them win more games and, and then be a resource. Looking at the future coach and, and what it holds for you and maybe your coaching career, what are some of the future goals that you have for yourself? And, and is there an ideal position that you'd eventually like to work yourself into? You know, at, at one point when I got out of college coaching and I actually, you know, I was at Truman state and um, we went through a coaching change there and, and we had had some success, but uh, a lot of success actually with uh, Shannon Courier. And uh, then he got out of coaching and whenever there's a change, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you have to find a new job with the new head coach, especially at the college level. And I couldn't find anything. And um, I found, I, you know, I could find some things, but not things that necessarily would pay the bill. And um, Coach Curter had talked to me about if he, he said, if I ever get back in, you know, come work for me. And of course he got, he's the head coach at Concordia University in St. Paul. I couldn't get my wife to move up there. You know, she's a Texas girl. <laughs> Although she, I'm telling you, she loves walleye. So we're good there. And and I do too, but uh, I actually find a place you can order walleye that's supposed to be caught that caught flash frozen and then they overnight it to you. So I'm gonna try that out. But well, uh, if you ever come to Minnesota, it, coach, we got plenty of room for you here, and the fishing is good. Where are you? Where now? What lake? We are in Fairmont, Minnesota. Oh, uh, so, so you, you got everything. We got everything. Yeah, we we had a cabin on Leech Lake when I was a little kid. And then we got rid of that, and then we had a cabin on Lake Osakis. So, really, one of the best walleye lakes in Minnesota. But, um, but you know, I, I've, I thought that I would be at the college level. I ended up out of coaching in 2008, uh, and I got into investment banking uh, with Morgan. I was with Smith Barney, and then we got bought by Morgan Stanley. And, and while I, I didn't dislike that, it wasn't coaching ball. It wasn't, you know, you're a ball coach or you're not. And uh, – I really missed it and getting back in, you know, I kind of thought my goal was at, at one point to be a division one head coach, climb that ladder. But, you know, and that's a, that's a, that's a dream, really not a goal. That's more of a dream, but it changed, you know, now having a family and things like that. My ultimate goal here is to be, to, to be a, a head football coach and athletic director at a five A or six A school in the state of Texas. Um, I don't think there's much better, that you can do for a career field where you get to impact people, uh, provide for your family, uh, be competitive and be able to help, uh, basically take a community and bring it together an entire town and bring it together as a family and help people to, to, to excel at high levels, uh, in their lives. And, and that's kind of the, the goal. And then maybe from there to be a, a district athletic director. Uh, but, but that's kind of what I see, but I'm very, happy where I am you know I'm at a school where we have great kids great people 
a great tight knit community. Uh, we're going to have good athletes. Uh, we have kids that, that are absolutely some of the best that you'll ever be around. Love each and every one of them. You know, I pick up, I have four or five kids I'm going to pick up every morning and four or five kids that I'm going to give a ride home to every night. And I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to visit with them uh, on those drives. And, and uh, so I'm in a good place. I love where I am. But, uh, but I think everybody in, in their chosen career field, whatever it is, always wants to find out how good they can be and challenge themselves. And, and I think that's, that's that goal is I want to be able to, to take what I'm doing now and even grow it to be able to do it on a bigger level. That's great stuff, Coach. Um, we have a tradition on our show. Um, it has nothing to do with football. Um, if, if you had, it's, a, it's a hypothetical. If you had a walk-up song, if you were a professional baseball player or a, a WWE wrestler, uh, what would that song be, and you have to tell us why? Well, you know, when I was playing college baseball, my song was Thunderstruck. And, uh, and, and, and the reason is it's got that feeling of that tenacious, I'm about to whoop your tail, I'm not afraid of anything, and you might beat me today, but you ain't beating me tomorrow. I'm going to keep coming back. And that's why I love that song, Thunderstruck. And I think that it just reflects what I think people need to be in life, is that, that you may be bigger, you may be, but none of that matters. I got a heart. I've got this desire, this drive that there is nothing you can do to stop. And I control mindset. I control attitude. I control enthusiasm. I control effort. I control joy. No one else has that control out over you. Circumstance doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define where you're going. It only defines what point you were at yesterday. That was the circumstance, but I get to make anything out of that I can. And I think Thunderstruck just, it gives me that feeling that it doesn't matter what's going on right now. I got this place that we're going to get and no one can stop us. We're going. 